Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. That always makes me want to dance a little. I don't know why. But <laughs> it's flashy. <laughs> hey, welcome back, everyone, once again here to the Faces of Business, sponsored by Exit Your Way. With me today, I've got Kelly Cudworth from Pacific or PNWB Office Products and New Leaf Office Solutions. Welcome, Kelly. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Well, this is fun because today we're going to talk about a little bit about your business history and some of the things that we get to deal with, you and I together a lot, and it's the real challenges of growing an e-commerce business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not any shortcomings of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of just, it, it happens whether you want want it to or not, because there's right. some challenges definitely along the way. Um, but if you could start out, Kelly, it'd be really cool to kind of hear your background, because, you know, of, of the company, first of all, mm -hmm. because uh, you are a multi-generational company. You're the second generation in this company, and and there's there's only about 30% of the companies that make it from the first to the second generation. So it, it's cool and unique in that, but let's hear a little bit about the company history. Yeah, so my my dad, Jeff Cudworth, he founded the company, gosh, 40, we're going on 46 years ago. I think it was 1975 the company was founded. Um, dad came in as a partner and then bought out his, his partner pretty early on. And uh, I joined 17 years ago next month. So, uh, you know, and I took over the business operationally wise, really about five, six years ago and officially as owner uh, this year, the last year, 2020. So yeah. it's been, a, it's been, I mean, it's been my life, you know, I was born and raised in the, in our industry and in the business. And then, you know, the last 16, 17 years of my life, you know, partnering with my dad to, you know, just be part of the business, but then also change, you know, the business so much. And so it's been, it's been good. I mean, I, you know, it's interesting to hear that 20, 30% of, you know, multi-general business. I never knew that stat. So, yeah. I, you know, I live it and I have a lot of friends and associates and business associates my age that are going through and have gone through the same thing when they're entering family business and, either taking over for their dad or in the process. So I'm around other individuals like myself. So you hear that stat so low, it's, it's surprising, but um, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed that I had the opportunity to have a dad who established an organization like this, that number one, I could come on, but also to just be, be part of and help grow and create a foundation for my family going forward. So it's been, it's been exciting and it's been a huge part of my life. That's for sure. Yeah. So when when you were starting out in the business, you were doing sales, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so it's interesting. So my dad, you know, my, my dad's the greatest guy in the world. But you know, growing up, anybody that knew our family, I think could uh, uh, appreciate the fact that uh, my dad and I didn't really necessarily see eye to eye as I grew up. I you know, dad came from kind of a military sports background, was an all star athlete, played at OSU basketball, and I was just like free 
free-flowing hippie kid that just wanted to pursue a professional climbing career, growing my hair out long, right? But, um, and I had, I had no interest in the business at all. I mean, at, when dad started the business, you know, at that time, all the primary focus was toner, print and ink. Uh, the majority of his sales was uh, remanufactured ink and toner. And the 80s and early 90s, that was a huge industry. And it still is, but I mean, it was massive. And so I just, I didn't think it was exciting. I didn't want any part of it. Yeah. Uh, but so I, I went on my own and you know got my own career in sales. But then as I entered the sales world, I think I started to respect just business in general and just respected my dad's business and what he was doing just holistically as a business. And so I kind of piqued my interest. And so that's when some conversations with dad and I started about, hey, you know, maybe I should come you know, work for you. And, you know, he's like, well, I don't know. And it was a good time in my dad's life because, you know, he had the company in a nice, good, comfortable position, but he was also looking for long-term, you know, what am I going to do in the next 10 years? Am I going to build a cell? Am I going to close the doors? You know, what's my succession plan? And then he had a young, energetic son, you know, who was already coming from a sales industry and, and the business at that time and still is sales focused, cold call, cold call, cold call, right? Here's your call list and knock out of the park. So, um, so we went back and forth about six months and we thought we'd give it a go. And I think honestly, dad and I underneath our skin, dad probably thought, ah, maybe he'll last six months. And I thought, Hey, maybe I'll last six months. I think for me, it was like, I've got to at least generate enough revenue for him for him to justify the money that he was going to pay me. And I know he extended himself operationally to afford me. And I actually took a cut to come work for him. And I think that a lot of people were pretty anxious about you know me going to work for my my dad knowing yeah. our relationships and knowing what sometimes family the dynamic can be in family and uh you know i think about it, i'm like i can't believe it's been 17 years i mean i kid you not the first day i walked in i had a my office wasn't even an office i was in a storage unit that he was sub leasing i had a computer that had no internet i had a phone and he dropped a phone book in front of me and said, there you go. There's your call list. And so that's kind of how it started. And so, um, but he, he yeah, he, it, it was good. It, it turned out good. And um, obviously, you know, we both had some success with it. So that's why I'm still around and why he's now officially in a position to retire. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, we got Andrew, you know, Andrew is my partner and he, he, he looks at a lot of these businesses like yours, but he, he makes the point that, you know, having your own experience before, is probably a major reason why you've been able to do this. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really something to see. I mean, when you were, um, you were in the 40 under to 40 in, in Seattle. So you're recognized for that in the, in the Puget Sound area. Um, you know, the company has been around, like you said, it's 40 some years now. This is yeah. pretty cool. And when yeah. you think about it, you know, you're in the, the toner industry and doing that. Did you guys actually have a physical retail place where people came to? So when no, you no, not really. So the business was always B2B focused. And okay. early on when I was younger, and this is actually something that I think dad uh, was really smart about early on, uh, even before I started is, you know, when I was younger, we had a warehouse, we had inventory, we had a delivery truck. But by the time I came on board, uh, our industry was shifting in a bit. And which is actually what laid a, a, a great foundation for us that transitioned into e-commerce was drop shipping. We, you know, more vendors, more manufacturers were creating opportunities for us to actually just send POs and ship the product directly to the customer. And you know, 20 years ago, that was a pretty new thing, right? UPS yeah. wasn't as, you know, you didn't have as as heavy as it was. FedEx, all the carriers, Amazon wasn't around. 
Um, and it was a difficult thing to kind of break into from a, a, a customer development standpoint, yep. because, you know, the customer is wanting to feel comfortable with your delivery driver or work comms versus, yeah. you know, UPS at that, who is UPS, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think dad was smart as a, as a, um, just as a businessman that understand, hey, operationally, I can scale back some expenses. I don't need trucks. I don't need, you know, delivery people. You know, I don't need this, this uh, uh, liability on my balance sheet. I can become a little bit more profitable. I can be a little bit more uh, aggressive on pricing if I can build a drop ship model out. And then he really just started to focus on the customers that could kind of accept that drop ship model. And so he was really smart in establishing that. So when I came on board, he kind of already had that in place. And that really helped me kind of you know, take off and grow with more of the technology wanted to onboard. So, you know, I really just have to tip, give a tip to the hat of dad, early thinking of coming up like, hey, this could be a, a much more efficient manner for us, not only to operate our business financially and operationally wise, but also a more efficient manner for us to engage and touch, touch customers on a national level, yeah. right? Because, yeah. you know, we only had delivery drivers local at a Soto, Seattle, uh, you know, yeah. this South Seattle. And so it allowed dad to really start pursuing more government contracts, you know, bidding on state and local contracts, counties, cities, federal. And so we could reach like Kansas City, we could reach the Pentagon and that opened up a huge door. So when I came in hot and hungry, you know, my, you know, my territory was the nation in a way, right? Yeah. You know, we had to kind of refine it and keep it together, but uh, he really established that an amazing foundation for me. And that, you know, that, again, the other blessing for dad is, you know, we didn't always see eye to eye and we still don't. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I can tell you there have been some, you know, dad's very energetic like myself and we're very aggressive individuals in a, in a good way. Right. You know, yeah. we're competitive. So there have been some battles, but, you know, I, I, um, I came in hungry and ready to go and I knew it all. Right. Like I'm like, Hey dad, I know what I'm doing. I know what's going on. And you know, you could just see him sit back and nod his head. But the thing about him is he never really created barriers for me. He just let me run and he let me run to a point where like, Hey, you know, until I hit that brick wall or fell down, he wanted me to hit that brick wall and fall yeah. down. Either one, he, he could say, Hey, I told you so. Or two, <laughs> he'd be like, Hey, maybe this young kid actually gets, pulls it off and something good happens out of it. Yeah. Let's see what he does. Right. Yeah. So, never even when he would disagree with me uh whether he would tell me that or at times tell me directly like i don't believe it and i don't think it's going to work he would never stop me from trying and he'd always yeah. let me continue to progress and i think he also understood and appreciated that he, he knew innovation was important and he knew that his, our industry was transitioning innovation we could hear from the manufacturers we could hear from the distributors we were seeing more and more competition come like we, you know, what we call the big box stores, the Office Depot started to pop up, the Staples started to pop up. Then they started entering the business, then they started entering the commercial sector. Then the superstores started to pop up. Your WalMarts, your, you know, your 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 Fred Meyers, right? And then you know you start to hear this, what's this Amazon thing? What's this online thing? So I think Dad was really smart in thinking, hey, you know, we're, there's a transition coming into the industry, and I'm gonna need someone hungry, energetic, and willing to go after it, and I was his guinea pig in a way. So, you know, yeah, he, really, yeah. he really allowed me off the leash. And I know that in some environments, I mean, what kind of business owner is going to number one, hire, a, you know, somebody young and energetic and let them just go for it operationally and make big operational decisions. And number two, let it be their son. I mean, I've got a 10 year old son right now and I find myself wanting to control him all the time. Like, no, no, you got to do this. You got to do that way. So yeah, I yeah. think it's probably double hard for him to, 
to acknowledge, hey, I got this new guy coming in who wants to do everything and control everything and I have to let him go. And number two, it's my son, right? Yeah, I keep yeah. telling him and managing him. So yeah. you know, I, he, he really gave me a huge opportunity to do that. But he also was always there, you know, as a blessing, as a safety net. I mean, any other entrepreneurs out there, I mean, I've got to just say, you know, if you're starting your own business or have ever started your own business from scratch, I don't have that experience. I was able to walk into a business that already had some sort of foundation. So, you know, to be able to start your own business from scratch, that is a no joke, uh, hard thing to do. And so I absolutely appreciate anybody that's yeah. ever done that because I had the blessing of a, a father who had that safety net for me, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and over the last couple of years, I've had to cut that safety net because, you know, I've had to be able to grow myself, but at the same time, I got to let him go. Right. It's his yeah. time, to, you know, yeah. let go and enjoy life a bit. Yeah. And I'm sure he's, he's, he, he sits back and grins now to see your business doing what it's doing. And, and he's happy to, to see that you you've charted a different path, but a successful path for the business. Yeah. And he's excited, you know, obviously I've got kids, so he's excited to see it with the grandkids and yeah. you know, I hope he's excited about the generational transition too. We'll see where my kids are when they get older enough. But right now it's just, I'm just head, head down and just trying to build, build, build. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit too. And, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit. You got an award last year too. Let's talk about that because that's kind of cool. I mean, what, what was it from the 13, 13th fastest growing company in the Puget Sound? Yeah. Yeah. Which was a, a exciting surprise for us. You know, I mean, when, when I was, uh, when I was honored as, you know, 2015 Puget Sound Business 40 under 40, that was a really cool experience. And so I think that put me in there on the radar and, um, we were, I, I had a pretty good feeling we were going to be on the list because the list is about a hundred companies because we've had a lot of growth, fast growth in the last five years, which has been tremendous, but it's also created a lot of challenges and needs for support. Like, you know, individuals like yourself and Cross yeah. West have been huge resources for us. But um, it's, it, I think it, it was nice to see that as an honor. And it was exciting to see that we were 13th out of a hundred. So yeah. it shows yeah. that, you know, we've been, what we're doing is working um and how we're doing it is working and so we want to continue to, to keep taking that on for the next couple of years so yeah yeah well that's cool so this we're going to talk more about business because we're going to get into e-commerce after this but talk a little bit about your charity because i really think that people hearing this and understanding new hope street uh are going to connect with it because it's cool man yeah so um you know it, that actually the seed of that started with my wife gosh was it 10 years ago so early on when i started working with dad you know i was always trying to figure out ways to build business right and you know i would attend golf tournaments and you know started leaning into marketing and how do we develop leads how do we develop relationships how do we network and so i started putting on just kind of hokey dokey golf tournaments you know and at that time you know we weren't we didn't really have a solid brand if you can believe it, when I started with dad, the name of our company, the name has always been Pacific North Business Products, but we deviate as the Cartridge Family because all we did was sell cartridge. We had a little cartoon logo and everything. We went through a whole rebranding about 10 years ago or something. But so I was putting these golf terms on. I just wasn't really seeing anything come out of it. And, you know, what ended up happening is I would charge people, I don't know, 120 bucks. And then we'd always have a little bit of money left over. And we just kind of checked the Red Cross. And my wife one year was like, hey, what do you want to do for your birthday? And I'm an active cyclist. And I don't really have a lot of close friends that cycle. So I was like, hey, let's get a bunch of people together and do a big bike ride and you know, maybe raise some money for charity. And that landed the seed for this bike event we put on every year out of Carnation, which the last time we had was you know, over 120 kids and families riding. We raised over like $20,000. 
And so we had done it for different charities. And so initially it started with a cause marketing focus. Hey, how can we leverage our brand and our business to support local communities, local charities, and honestly, selfishly give ourselves a little bit of a pop out there in the, in the yeah. marketplace, you know, yeah. give ourselves a little bit of acknowledgement and, you know, here's what we're doing and, and engage customers at a different angle. Right. And so, uh, we initially started working with some nonprofits directly, but we found administratively that became difficult because we had to leverage on their operation. It wasn't our own 5013 C3. It wasn't our checking account. Yeah. So over the half of years, I've been doing a lot of networking and as all business entrepreneurs should be doing is network, network, network. And, you know, I, I had established and I feel I established a nice uh, a network of other business owners and executives in the region. And, you know, I pulled them all together and I said, hey, listen, I, I we're going to fire up a nonprofit. Maybe it's going to be for our bike event. I don't know, but we just need to set up a 501c3. And uh, my bike event, it's a, I've got the playbook. We've done it eight years in a row. I can guarantee we'll raise anywhere from $15,000 to $20,000. I just need a team and we'll establish a nonprofit. And really, I was like, I need two grand to pay the lawyer to start at the 501c3, right? I did this over a, 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 we were at, as a happy hour. So I brought them all out. I bought them all a beer. I said, great, you're into it. I all, everybody's got to cut me 150 bucks to be on the board, right? <laughs> establish it. But the thing about it that just blew my mind was the support that all these other business owners and executives uh, connected to with it. Because that thing that I think we realized was that there is a need and an and and excitement and a want for small and mid-sized businesses to establish some sort of cause marketing or to be consistent with a partner that supports the community uh, or, or organizations that they're passionate about. But it's difficult yeah. as a small or mid-sized business to really just launch your own cause, launch your own brand, right? You yeah. know, the, obviously enterprise companies can do it. Amazon's got their smile, but how do we do it as a small mid-sized business? And so it was like, hey, what if we collaborate and establish one organization and through that organization, each person can be part of or have resources to a toolbox of uh, whether it be, you know, branding resources, web development resources, signs, you know, copy distribution, whatever. These are all the companies that are part of it. And we established our own nonprofit and then we put on different events. And not only are we supporting our companies, our brands, but we're creating a great opportunity to bring money and resources to children and family in need. So that started New Hope Street. And part of the board, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was going to these guys. And I was like, listen, guys, I don't have any money. I've got this idea. <laughs> And I know I can do this bike thing, but I have zero money. And I was thinking, hey, you know, maybe somebody will create me a logo and maybe somebody will come up with a, you know, maybe take some photos for me. Before I knew it, we had a, you know, $30,000 branding development built out by our friends at Sea Monster. We had videos from our friends at RB Content Lab. My buddies at the wide format company were shelling out signs left and right. And so now we have this established New Hope Street organization, newhopestreet.org. We've been going on for four years. We've raised over $150,000. We built not only did we build an orphanage in in, in uh, Africa, Congo, because I have a connection there because I adopted my daughter from there, but we've added, you know, fresh water uh, sources. Uh, um, we've added solar panel power there. We've raised money for Treehouse for Kids in Seattle. So it's been an exciting thing because then not only New Leaf and my company, when we do these events, we can help, you know, tell our customers and show them, hey, you know, obviously we're in business and we're in this to make money and, you know, grow and yeah. profitability, yeah. but we also want to take this growth and this opportunity to support others in our communities and then give a resource for other business owners and, and executives to be part of it. And it's just, it's grown faster than I could have anticipated excitingly. <laughs> and it's created more, some more work for me in a way, but yeah. it's just been, it's been amazing. So 
um, I think it's been it's been great, and it's been great for our board members that have come on board. Yeah, yeah, it's really something. And the way that when you put people together like that, it does create a way for more people to get involved and yeah. and really support the community and and your, the other efforts outside of the community even better. Yeah. Um, so what you you put on a couple of events? What are the events that you put on? So I want to make sure that if people are listening and they'd be interested in sure, sure. So it's exciting. So obviously, COVID created a little complication last year, but yeah, we've really created kind of a so again, I come from a cycling background, and so my bike events is a big thing. One of my our, our board members, our our our, our secretary, uh, he's a big avid trail runner, so he started a, a run event. So we have Spoke to Ride, which actually is coming up June 26th. So go to follow us on Facebook, New Hope Street, newhopestreet.org. We're all over there. We'll get all the information out there. Yeah. It's a family-friendly bike ride, 12 miles. Cutter and Buck has been a great sponsor and friend of ours, so we get some good swag. You won't get that t-shirt that's going to melt in the dryer um, <laughs> and we have run the mountain which is a you know anywhere from a 5k to a 25k trail run that supported our friends at trios for kids in, in seattle which helps foster kids get school supplies etc and then what we launched in 2020 before covid hit was funky dunk which is our polar plunge so we've created kind of a triathlon of events per se yeah so each event is just a good time where we bring in a bunch of different sponsors and we just each event raises money for different organizations depending on who the chair is we've done a auction in the past and et cetera et cetera so you know um so it's a good time all the events are usually revolved around family opportunities bring you know bring the kids bring the family uh, spoke to ride. We have like climbing walls and bounce houses and a DJ oh, and you know, barbecue. So it's really, you know, honestly, it's, it sounds it, it to me, it just, it's so easy to put an event on like that. People want to be part of it, right? People want to yeah. help businesses want to be engaged. The community wants to be engaged it. So it's so it's, it's easier than I, I, it, I mean, it's not completely easy, but it surprises me how less complicated it is to create an event like that and raise money for a great cause. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome, man. Because I hear you talk about it. I know about your events, and and uh, it's it's good. It's good that yeah. you're doing that, and and giving more people in the community to work together. It it does. It lightens the load for for everyone to be able to provide more. So that's cool. Yeah. I want to yeah. take some time to talk about that because that's really cool. Um, so let's talk a little bit about as you move forward, and you did this this crazy thing in your industry, and you said, "I want to sell." uh e-commerce on amazon yeah well i you know i just got tired of making cold calls <laughs> right? <laughs> right. right no i mean so so the e-commerce world for us you know we from, from the minute i started with dad there was always a goal to build online e-commerce right i mean it, you know when i started with dad i think a, a big thing for him and again you know him for you know thinking forward was you know, we, we needed a website, right? Yep. At that time, 17 years ago, you know, people just needed a website. So, you know, we had already established a business model of drop shipping, being able to ship anywhere in the US, right? So, you know, e-commerce was a, it was a natural transition for us to focus on. That said, it really didn't start ramping up until about six years ago, right? And so we had always built out, um, we've always known data, we've leveraged data, What's interesting is we we are a GSA contractor, which means we have a contract with the federal government. And the GSA has a platform called the GSA Advantage. And it's a bit old and outdated right now. However, 
it was the Amazon before Amazon. It really okay. acted just like a very similar Amazon platform for the federal buyer. Like when people ask like, what's the GSE advantage? I say it's the, it's the Amazon for the federal buyer, right? So, you yeah. know, you, as a reseller, you could go list product. You know, there was multiple resellers. They started consolidating product pages. So multiple offers were in there. But working with that and really leaning in on that, it became uh, obvious to us that knowing and being intimate with your data and your content was critical. Because early on, you just throw a part number up there with a you know, cheesy description, no image, you get no sales, right? So, you know, we realized, hey, we got to really have some robust, strong data. And so we started leaning into our distributors and our manufacturers to make sure they could provide that for us through our government channel. Then Amazon came along. And at first it was like, no way, Amazon, you are a competitor. You are disrupting my industry. I mean, I have some associates at Amazon now and some reps that we work with. And they always make fun of me every time I go over there and meet with them that the first call I got when they were reaching out to me to start reselling is, I was like, no way. And I had to spend an hour just lighting them up about how they were disrupting my industry, how they were selling that fraud, blah, 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 blah. But once I got it off my chest and calmed down, I was like, okay, let's have a conversation and let's see where we can go. So, you know, the thing for me was like coming back from sales, driving around in a suit, walking into customers. You know, I was driving five hours a day to Spokane. I would sit down with my clients in the federal, state and local and B2B commercial space. And every time I walked into their office, I would sit down and I would talk to them and work with them and do the whole sales process and develop the relationship and build the account. And I would look over and all I would see are boxes being delivered from Amazon, orders on Amazon. And so, you know, and I would always go on to Amazon, like, how are people selling? There's no way this is going to last, but it clearly was lasting. And more and more of the customers were flagging, hey, I can find it cheaper on Amazon. I can find it cheaper on Amazon. And it was driving me nuts, right? But as a business person and as a business owner and as a salesperson, I think the most important thing is to know where the customers are and where the money is. And yeah. there's no question there was a lot of customers on Amazon and there's a lot of money flowing through there right? So somehow somebody's making it work. So I could either sit back and say, well, that's garbage and that'll never last. Or I can put some energy in and roll them up my sleeves and see if I can figure out how I can make this work. Whether it be understanding my data and my pricing better, uh, leaning on vendors, you know, hitting up a lot of different um, um, uh, products and diversifying what I can bring. Where can I find that niche? Maybe it's not the product I'm selling right now. Right. Maybe it's product that I haven't sold before that I have access to that I haven't leaned into. I don't know, but I have to start looking at that and figuring that out. And one thing that I, I always tell people that's interesting is Amazon actually made my business model better because when we first started focusing on drop shipping, we would have customers not buy from us because they didn't want UPS to arrive. Right. They wanted Joe coming in and giving them the cookie and whatnot. But as time went on the buyer demographic started to change you know traditionally in my industry office supplies it was traditionally a, you know a female buyer by that age of like 40 to 60 that was placing the order and then as that demographic started to change younger generations coming in and as individuals and consumers became more comfortable with buying and having ups arrive at their own residence then they're like ding 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 maybe i feel comfortable about buying on amazon because UPS is okay. So then what we started to see is customers that want to buy from me in the past because I didn't have my own delivery drivers started coming back because they were either new buyers in there and they were cool with UPS showing. But then of course, Amazon kind of teetered that back because their competition came so strong. So, you know, we yeah. 
we started negotiating hard with my vendors. I basically just started making some strong conversations with my vendors and my distributors and manufacturers. I said, listen, I know our industry is against this, but the bottom line is there is business there and our industry is a bit old school, right? And our industry was resisting Amazon and still does very aggressively. And I said, listen, you can't ignore it. And our industry couldn't ignore the fact that data was there. Customers were buying from Amazon. They were buying from you and Amazon, right? Or they were buying yeah. from online or if you didn't have your website up and uh, and efficiently running with competitive product accurate content you were going to lose regardless if it was amazon or not because they wanted to start purchasing and sourcing online even if i had a contract with a state agency i still had to have a website that functioned in a format that they expected and yeah. that that price was accurate and consistent which means back end i had to have systems in place to ensure we manage that for those contracts so since those systems were already there, we're like, okay, how do we bring this to Amazon? And so it was a bit of a bite, but I think we knew what we were going into with Amazon in regards to the relationship with them. They have very high level expectations or performance. You know, I've said this a couple of times. I think the thing is, you know, with Amazon, the, the consumer is not going backwards. And I mean yeah. that in a way that the consumer, Amazon's created such an expectation when it comes to purchasing online that, hey, I can have my product in two days. Yeah. If I don't get it, I'm gonna get a refund. I'm gonna get a free return. I'm, I'm, a, they obsess on me. I'm taking advantage. I want to leave reviews. I want to complain. I don't want to get charged with restocking fee. Bing, bing, bing. All these things that my industry had a tough time providing or wouldn't provide. Hey, you want to return something to me? Sure, no problem. Ship it back to me on your dime, and I'm gonna charge you 20%. That was always the base, right? So yeah. I think what we realized is that we had to create an operation that you know not only could bring in a competitive and create some solutions and some techniques and some you know, uh, get, get, I don't know, unique about how we can price things out, but also operationally, how can we continue to support the performance requirements that Amazon makes? And how I looked at it is that, hey, if I could get my business to a level that we could perform and maybe even outperform the expectations that Amazon has and, and work with my vendors and establish positive relationships with my vendors and manufacturers, not to the point where I'm grinding them on pricing, yeah, let's create yeah. something new and unique. Let's create a strategy because you can't deny that this industry is changing and the consumer behavior is changing and Amazon's leading the way. So if we can get in there and have success and figure out how it works, I mean, hey, pull the curtain behind your, your biggest competitor. Like, there's a lot of information there, right? Yeah, so yeah. if we can figure out how to get in there and be successful, what could we do outside the platform, right? So you know, when Amazon came along, I was like, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to dive into it because we've been fighting to get eyes on our product and our brand just on our own website and in our industry that's a big fight that's a lot of money you got to spend that's online marketing that's clicks you're going after that's google adwords all that stuff and it's just tough for a small business to do that whereas yeah. amazon the eyeballs already there the volume's already there so it's about it's kind of just plugging into that and trying to be smart about that and then take that and bring that to our other side so i apologize the long answer but you know that's no, no, it's good yeah it's good so can you remember this is so when you first got on amazon how many products did you load? Oh, I think I started with like maybe like 900 SKUs, you know. Um, and at that time, we had access to about 25,000 SKUs total. Um, yeah. And it was very, you know, it was a very manual process for me because yeah. I had to learn it. A lot of flat files, Excel. Um, like I said, we, you know, it was. It was it was a lot of bumps and bruises in the way, but yeah, that's how we started with you know about 900 SKUs just to kind of test the waters and yeah. you know go from there. So can you remember the first order you got? 
Yes, it was a bad match. <laughs> oh my. So right out of the gate, it's, you know, someone bought, because that was the thing we realized is that, listen, it's not, I think, I think, I think the problem with e-commerce, not the problem, with e-commerce, it always just seems easier than it really is, right? It's yeah. like, hey, find out the website, you got product, you got pricing, pal, here, throw somebody <laughs> some AdWords coming in the pipe, right? Right. And then with Amazon, same thing. They they, they make it sound like hey, it costs you 39 bucks a month. Why wouldn't you fire up an account? Oh, UPC code matcher, loaded up versus UPC. But there is a lot of inconsistent data. That's what I mean by you have to be so intimate with your data because there's in my industry, in the office supply, office furniture, you know, I mean pet supplies, cleaning supplies, PPE, things come in singles, things come in packs, things come in cartons, right? And it's the same skew. So you know, when you're relying on somebody else's platform, whether that be Amazon, Walmart, Overstock, Fisher Science, GSA, and you're relying on their data to accurately match your data, you can't you can't fully expect that to be the case, right? So we we uploaded all our data, anticipating Amazon would have their act together and know how to match UPC codes. And so we had an item like you know, pens is a great example. We had an item we listed the pen as a you know our offer was for a single each, so we priced it out for a single pen but the actual listing matched it to a carton of 12. So boom, all of a sudden we had like, you know, 500 orders for, you know, this pen. And at first we're like, this is fantastic. It's just <laughs> killing it, right? And we send them all out and the customer's like, I ordered 12 and they're all pissed off and we're getting negative reviews. And we're like, oh my gosh, what's the mess? And so it was, we realized quickly that um, we, we couldn't just, I apologize, we couldn't have asset. We had to get, we yeah. had to take our time and really understand it and and that and that then that that took even longer so then it was kind of a question of like can we make this happen right i mean is it worth this kind of lift right and i i spent i spent months just visually going through excel files trying to match product correctly you know yeah. and even today it's still difficult to do so it yeah. was a it was a chore and and we refine that pro process significantly from the selection to through it. It's still hard to do. I mean, it's Absolutely. not and 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 I mean, it's not like we haven't tried to work with the people at Amazon to figure it out. You've done you know hundreds of hours working with them probably as well as is that trying to figure it out. And and the reality is is that in the early days of Amazon, a lot of people it was kind of like the the wild west of creating listings. Yeah. And there's so many bad listings out there for some of these common products that you're you're listing on three, four, five uh, ASINs. Yeah. Uh, and and until you get a bad order, you don't know that that's a bad ASIN. Correct. And and, you know, even Amazon, like, the, like Amazon will even admit it, like the UPC matching is is gotten worse. And that's yeah. the biggest struggle for new resellers is ensuring stuff's match right. Then you've got IP issues. You got to make sure you're okay with yep. certain manufacturers listing it, uh, you know, restricted items. And you don't know that until you go live. So we've had to, the hard way, implement uh, processes in place to be able to address that and record that, you know, so that we, as we add more product, you know, adding more product is a bit of a risk too, right? Yeah. So, um, but it was, it, you know, it, it obviously was worth it in the long run, yeah. right? Yeah. But it created a, a big like, hey, gosh, darn, is this gonna, is this gonna be worth it? You know, the whole nine yards, and that's why I think it was so important that we we spent a lot of time before talking to our vendors and our manufacturers. Yeah. You know, I was very upfront with them, saying, hey, listen, we're gonna go live with this. We need to know what manufacturers have a problem with it. We need to know if there's restrictions. You need to help me out. 
And it was a lot of negotiation with them because some of them were like, we don't really want to do it. We don't have a program to support that. You know, we'll give you price and you do what you do. And I had to keep pushing back on them. So, you know, you know, you know, our vendors and manufacturers have become huge partners and assets for, for supporting us. And that having that foundation and that relationship established first was key because then they were also willing to help with us as we ran across some of these problems, helping us get the right content and data, um, you know, and the whole nine yards that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, I know it's been an interesting ride. I mean, you're the 13th fastest growing company. What year was that for? 2019? That was 20. Yeah, I guess 2019. So it's like, yeah, they take data from, what is it? They took data from, 17, 18, 19, that's how they calculate it. So, oh, okay. you know, we're going to blow them out of the water in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, because, you know? yeah. Yeah, you know, for 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 your business, it, it's, uh, you know, you've you've had several years of, of very, very high double-digit growth. And and it's it's a challenge just to keep up with it. Because, I mean, when we started working together, what, what were you processing in a month? You were processing, what, 1,500 orders or something like something that? Something like that, yeah, I would say roughly almost that many in a day in a day yes and we're actually <laughs> having to turn inventory as you know we we have to you know we're we're now having to invest in more back-end integration systems which is exciting right i think yeah. we did it the right way where you know there's all these integration systems and data automation systems and platforms and websites and whatever and we said listen we're not going to make these big operational investments so we can justify the need how can we manually with ma manage it with our team and to do that, we had to be extremely conservative. What I mean by that is, hey, we could just throw data up there and ignore it. But if you know we weren't taking, you know, taking into fact that you know inventory accuracy, pricing accuracy, uh, we needed we needed support on the back end, watching the numbers, aka you know bringing yeah. you know a partner like you into play that could help us give us that horsepower, so that we just felt comfortable continuing to push it out. And until we really started to hit that ceiling, now you know we're needing to make those investments in new systems integrations because the volume we're at right now, we can't process it fast enough. And that's the exciting thing about I think e-commerce holistically, and not even just Amazon. I mean, for me with Amazon, Amazon was definitely a huge value lift for us to get going into it. And I really appreciate the team at Amazon and what they what they did to help us out. Yeah. I think the other thing is. The nice thing is, you know, we're, we're registered small veteran-owned business on Amazon, so it allows buyers to understand they can find different, you know, uh, resellers out there. Anybody that buys on Amazon, listen, I, all I got to say is, you know, before you place an order when you're looking at it, go to the left-hand side and look for a small business, look for a woman-owned business, look for a diversity-owned business, look for a veteran-owned business. They're there. The system works really well, um, especially in COVID. You know, support those guys, those companies. And Amazon's platform does a good job allowing you to filter them out. They they might, you might not see them out of the gate because they might not be winning the buy box, but it doesn't mean they're going to be much more expensive. They might be like five cents, 10 cents off. You just yeah. don't know. So I don't know. I just a plug to the, the small. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Most people don't because they're in there looking for this or that. And, and, and realistically, I think a lot of the public doesn't understand that you can, you can support your, your small business yeah. just by doing that. Yeah. And, and people have to be competitive because if you're not fairly competitive, you're not going to sell anything. Correct. Right. And then you have to be smart and strategic about it too. You know, you, uh, you, you've been a huge asset to us coming up with some strategies and how we can, you know, play with pricing, 
which then now fast forward, you know, six years, we're negotiating, we're having different conversations with our vendors now. Hey, we, you know, we proved to you we can do this. We've got an idea over here we want to yeah. try. And they're, as opposed to them saying, hey, let me run up the flagpole and I'll get back to you in a month. They're getting back to me in days. Let's give it a go. But, you know, I think also in the subject of e-commerce, I mean, obviously Amazon's the grill in the room, right? But I think the value that we found, you know, really leaning to the e-commerce channel and, you know, where we're having success is really working on diversifying and, yeah. and, and diversifying platforms. And I, I say this to a lot of people, you know, even before COVID, the brick and mortar malls, there's no question around, have been struggling, right? E-commerce yeah. has been coming. COVID took the e-commerce channel to where it would have been in 10 years to today, right? Yeah. I mean, it just, it just, you know, light speed, you know, where the consumer was, right? Yeah. And so what I'm seeing now and what I'm personally predicting in the next five or 10 years is to see more of a competitive platform to Amazon start to develop because what's happening is Amazon has seen so much success with their third party resellers. 60% of their business is coming from dealers like me, not from Amazon Direct. They are making a buttload of money on third party resellers compared to their, yeah. their 1P. There's no question about it, right? Walmart yeah. is doing the same thing, right? They yeah. see the value in partnering with us. They also see the value, I think, for the country and showing, hey, we're, we're supporting small, mid-sized businesses. But what I mean by the, the, the brick and mortar mall is, I don't think the mall is dead. I think the mall is transitioning to the digital world. So yeah. Amazon obviously is the first, maybe the, I think the GSA managers were the first digital mall that didn't realize yeah. it. Yeah. But that's what Amazon is. I mean, I, I think back to when I was in high school and college, I go to the mall, I could go to the Reebok store and get, you know, get a pair of, you know, or, or the, you know, the, you know, uh, the, the shoe store and get a pair of Nikes over here, but I could go to Nordstrom's and the same Nikes were there, but Nordstrom's might have a different Nike that this mall, you know, across Macy's didn't have, but in all the different, and in the mall, all these different shops, a lot of them carry the same product, right? So yeah, you kind of yeah. bounce around. So that's exactly how Amazon's working. And the, the, the Walmarts in the world are seeing that. The overstocks are seeing that. The Fisher Sciences are seeing that. So from an e-commerce strategy, you know, it's exciting if it, being an e-commerce dealer to see, hey, we're seeing this this build out where these new platforms are building and they're wanting resellers. So, you know, we're getting calls with people excited about reselling. I've got, you know, um, I'm getting a calls from really small, you know, like neighborhood shop websites that are trying to figure out how to onboard third-party resellers. And, you know, they're looking for people with e-commerce experience. So that's that's what I mean by the diversification. Amazon created a huge opportunity for us to really build our business and grow. But I think what we've done a really good job with your help specifically too, is breaking into other platforms. So Walmart is now, we're moving as much product in Walmart as we are on Amazon almost, you know? And yeah, the sale, yeah. Walmart retail is meeting day-to-day -day Amazon retail. Now Amazon business is huge, but how long does it take until Walmart figures we want to break into the business platform, right? Yeah, exactly. um, Overstock is in the game. They won the CPI award. The federal government um, uh, has put out a, a, a mandate that the federal buyers need to start buying off of commercial platforms so they can track what they call tail and spend a bit more. Now, Amazon was an awardee of that, and they're doing a great job supporting the federal business that, that way. But there are other platforms that are coming into play as well. And yeah. so, and then also my own website. I mean, my my website's had the best performance it's ever had in the last two years because we've taken what we've learned by selling on Amazon and Walmart and started applying it to our side. So yeah. we can be a lot more strategic and a lot more, I think, granular and smarter about not only how we price our product on the site, but also how we're advertising, right? And yeah. how we're spending that. So, yeah. um, well, it's and it's interesting too, as, as your company has grown, 
I, I think almost your following that you've created on Amazon and Walmart and the other platforms, they, they have started to, to find you on your website and, and, and actually buy product there from time to time as well. Yeah. Because it, sometimes it makes sense. And, it, and the pricing is a little better too, obviously, because of some fees and, and stuff like that. But um, I think that's interesting because it's, it's happening as well. And, and, and like in other clients that we've worked with, the same, same kind of thing happens is when your brand starts to grow and you, your popularity and such, people start to find you on, online on your own site because it kind of becomes their place. I think, I think that's a huge point you just made that I think anybody entering or in the e-commerce world should know or already knows is that when we're selling on these platforms, Amazon, Walmart, whatever, we're getting charged a fee, right? On average, yeah. 15%. So I think that was another uh, thing that held us back. Like, how the hell am I going to be competitive on these platforms that charge me 15% of the top line price, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we've created our secret sauce that we, you know, we work through, but yeah. all of a sudden I've got all this data of what people are buying, where they're buying it. And what they're paying for it, right? Yeah. And they're paying a 15% markup, right? Yeah. So how the hell can I take that item, put it on my website, add maybe 5% for marketing, some AdWords, whatever, drop my margin down 10%. I'm making a 5% lift on my margin and I'm selling to the customer for 5% less than they're buying on Amazon, right? Yeah. So there's, I mean, you know, it, 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 it's a lot, again, the, the tricky thing is obviously Amazon's a gorilla and they create that convenience and everybody's on there, but there are business buyers out there. Not everybody buys off Amazon, right? So, but if you're going to do that, you need to make sure your website can function and work to the way the consumer yeah. expects. And Amazon obviously has created the secret sauce there. So if you can kind of mimic expectations, return policies, et cetera. And so we've taken all the pricing and everything we do with the vendors. We're just putting that right on our site across the board, right? Yeah. Our struggle right now, honestly, is the brand confusion, right? Because yeah. on Amazon and Walmart, we're PNWB uh, office products. And then on our website, we're New Leaf Office Solutions. And honestly, when we went on Amazon, because our legal name is Pacific Northwest Business Products, but we just DBA is the other names. I was nervous about going on Amazon. I was very skeptic, right? And I was concerned like, well, shoot, if I gotta be getting really aggressive on Amazon, what if my customers find me selling on Amazon for cheaper and they're gonna grind me down, right? So we launched it as PNV Office products, right? Well, now, you know, we get way more traffic as PNV Office products than we do as New Leaf. And so yeah. we were actually gonna start entering for the second time or really the third time a rebranding strategy yeah. before COVID hit. So now, we need to create a new brand that represents that. So we have a huge, great brand representation on these platforms that doesn't really carry over to our own website. So now that we're is, building this new, right, this new brand up. So, so you and I have interesting though. 2021. What the point that that brings though is those those customers are still finding you even though that brand differential. And I think once you once you do get them the branded similarly, that's really going to push the sales on your own website higher because. It, it is it is interesting how those same customers will seek you out and find that. Yeah. And, 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 the, and the value with it this way, even though it's created confusion with the names, what I'm realizing is that, you know, we've been known as New Leaf. We've been known as the office supply guys. We've been known as the toner guys for so long. But on Amazon and Walmart, we're the office furniture guys. We're the PPE supply guys. We're the hand sanitizer guys. We're the pet supply guys. Oh, yeah. We're supply guys we're the homeschool supplies if your kids are at home but you know working through social studies books you got to go to newleafoffice.com because we've got a huge catalog out there and that's the yeah. exciting thing about e-commerce is and working with these 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 platforms the digital malls the amazons the walmarts 
is that it's it's become easy it's if i wanted to enter the uh, school supplies like the school supplies that we're in like the it, we have always sold administrative school supplies but the actual in classroom supplies the math books the whatever right the toys before e-commerce <clears throat> I would have to establish relationships with the vendors. I would have to negotiate pricing. Then I'd have to have a whole team marketing, selling, building that out before I even got my first sale. Yeah. Right? With something like an Amazon or Walmart, you can test the waters, get activity, get data, what's active. And now when I go to that new vendors and manufacturers, as you know, one of our big growth focuses for the next couple of years is bringing on new vendors, bringing on new product. I don't care what it is. It's a toilet for all I care right if we can service it and we have vendors and they can follow our standards of expectations for the service for the customer and maintain policies then when i go to these vendors and manufacturers even though i might not come from that industry when i talk to them about what we're talking about right now their eyebrow lifts right and yeah. they say hey this could be someone who could quickly move product for us and you know some are into it some aren't but yeah yep. we found it easier not only to bring on new product new vendors new categories but to spin up sales like that, right? Yeah. And then even if they're not making a lot of money right out of the way, and we got, you know, we need to, you know, we need to, you know, prove ourselves. We know that we can create that activity and create that volume. So we've been able to just to, to transition who we are. And so yeah. when we do bring that brand over, we're not going to be the toner guys anymore. Or, or yeah. uh, you know, it's it's interesting because when COVID hit, I, I'll run into people I haven't seen in a long time, and they're worried about me, right? I mean, the blessing, you know, so many businesses have been. Uh, unfortunately affected with covid but they'll come to me like worried like how's your business how's your business i'm like dude we're going bonkers <laughs> world, right so you know it, it, but because of that they, they they still think that oh i thought you just sold toner right you know what i mean yeah. like no. i mean I, I mean toner has become such a small piece of our pie and that happened quick because of e-commerce because of these different strategies we've been implementing yeah yeah that's for sure and it's exciting now it's it's literally in the in like you said you know the last supplier that that we spooled up it was like boom boom and it's like oh my god you you, yeah. you were testing it on the platforms and you're like oh my goodness this is this is this is pretty crazy demand yeah they're very excited about it and definitely blew them out of the water too right so yeah that's the thing is when we're bringing on new vendors you know um you know, we got to do a little negotiation, work with them. But one thing I have, we, we I, I think that'd be an advice to anybody, you know, doing e-commerce. If you're, there's two ways. Either you're shipping the product yourself, right? You know, you're shipping out of your own warehouse or you're using yep. FBA, which is a great, you know, or you're drop shipping. And drop shipping with vendors is, it can be a very uh, great business model that's ours, but you have to be honest about what the vendor can or can't do. Yeah. And some of them are willing to make exceptions for you and some of them aren't. And even if they're willing to make the exceptions, the question is, is their operation in a way that can support the requirement that either Amazon, Walmart, or your own website has? Can they process orders fast enough? Can they get you the data that you need? Can they get you accurate inventory? Can they handle returns? Can they handle returns fast enough? Can they weigh restocking fees? Can you know there's all this stuff? That is important. So, you know, we had, you know, we had a vendor, they, they, the, the same vendor, they were super excited. They gave us the thing. And I was like, hey, listen, you're going to need to be able to give us resources. I need an account manager I can reach out to. I need to know how to do end returns. Your system had better be able to accept data for transmissions. I better be able to get inventory accurately. You know, and my whole thing with them is like, listen, if you can't do it, that's okay. We can yeah. work around it. We just need to know. And I think we shocked them pretty aggressively, pretty quick 
on the volume that came their way. And there were a couple of hiccups in the way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Th that was an interesting, you know, situation where, you know, now we know going in these manufacturers, these vendors that you want to make sure that they're, and, and the other thing is we've also worked with vendors that are like, Hey, listen, we've got an Amazon solution for you. We've got a template out of the box. Here's all the ASINs you need. Here's all the match you need, blah, blah, blah. Well, don't believe it right out of the gate. Do your due diligence, right? Because we had another vendor say, oh, we've got all these ASINs, blah, blah, blah. Well, it turns out half the ASINs are restricted. The other half were shut down or there were, you know, manufacturers didn't approve it. So, you know, if we'd just gone willy-nilly and thrown it up there, it could have really messed us up. So, you know, if there's a drop shipper that's just giving you a CAN program, well, they're giving that CAN program to everybody. And that's going to make it more difficult for you, number one, to compete if everybody's using the same CAN program. Or number two, they're not engaged in it. They're making you go through the bumps and bruises, hoping that you're going to handle the customer service and the upset customer because their items showed up late or whatever, right? So yeah. it's just, you've got to be smart about who you're working with and what they can do to support you. Well, they have to they have to maintain the standards that Amazon expects for all their their suppliers. And that's, that, that, people get I, it's got to be tough for people to do that. Not understanding, you know, the return anything for any reason, you know, and and getting the, the shipping there as fast as it needs to be. And, and then yeah. the tracking information, just getting tracking information from a supplier in for each order is is a is a difficult thing. Sometimes. It can be. Depend and it's sometimes, too. You know, some of the suppliers will will help you do that, and then some of the players won't. You know, they'll be like, "Hey, listen, we can do what we can do, and that's it." And I would say that shouldn't be the end of the conversation. Okay, you can do, you can only do this. Your system only works this way. But if we know there's a product and we can create a pricing strategy that can give us competition and it's something that we can get out there, well, then how then then we have to look internally, like how can we use their system and their processes and bring it on. Maybe I can't offer next day delivery. Maybe I can't offer two day delivery. Maybe I got to offer seven days. Doesn't necessarily mean we won't have success on their product. I, the yeah. thing that I, I, I've told people before is we're not chasing the buy box, right? We're not chasing the lowest price, Yeah. right? And you don't yeah. have to, you have to create strategies, again, smart and intimate with your data to create the solutions and the offers that will be, you know, achieved in there. Make sure you're registered small business or whatever. Things like that will get you that business, right? Yeah. So if a vendor pushes back and says, listen, we're only gonna do this and not, okay, you know, we'll work with it, we'll see with it, and you need to make a determination of how much do you wanna work around it and can you work around it? Maybe that's product you gotta start inventorying, who knows, right? But yeah. I would say don't quit on it, right? I mean, don't ever quit on an vendor. If you think there's an opportunity in there, I mean, I. My daughter, one day I was at, I was, at, I was on drink coffee in the morning. My daughter was in my lap. I was goofing, you know, in front of my computer and I was having, I was giggling because we had just had, you and I had, had a conversation about how excited we were about, you know, what's the next product we want to bring on. Yeah. And I looked over at Maria. I was like, Hey Marie, what, what should I sell next? And she goes, and our cat walked by and she goes, pet supplies. Okay. You know, let's look at pet supplies. Right. And so we found some distributors that can't work the way we want them to work, but we put some energy into it. And we're seeing pet supplies move, you know? So, you know, we put that in our, in our, in our brainstorm and figure out how can we increase that? And if you do increase that, if you can find a way to work around those vendors restrictions, I guarantee you when you start bringing sales to them, the conversation's going to change. Yeah. Right. Cause it was the, it was the same with another vendor that at first they didn't want to change anything with us for a while, but I've had a lot of good growth with them in this last year. And I went back to them. I said, listen, I can't sustain you if you can't make changes. And just today, actually, they're making some changes for us. So, yeah. you know, don't yeah. quit on it because it's not a perfect fit. Just find a way to work through it. Yeah.
Yeah, that's good. You know, and it, it, it is, it's, it's not, I mean, it's, it's difficult. It is data intensive. I mean, when you look at the data and the amount of data that has to move in your business every day, it, well, that's why you have to do the data automation that you're doing now and those kind of things. But in the beginning and starting and doing it manually, I mean, it's not for the timid. If you don't like, yeah. if, if you don't, if you're not going to stick your face in a spreadsheet, you better not get into this. Cause and that, you know what, that's a really good point. I think there's two things come to mind when I think about that. Number one, you're going to do work that you don't want to do, you know, suck it up. Right. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like sometimes as a business owner and executive and I, I've struggled with this, too, is like, oh, I'm the owner of the business. I don't want to have to sit here and, you know, match SKUs. Can I get a college kid to do it? Can I get one of my employees to do it? Oh, they're not going to know your product. They're not going to know your systems as yeah. well as you do. The best person to do it is the one who knows, you know it. And if you don't know it, you need to know it. Right. Because then there's a concern there. The other thing, too, is know your weaknesses. Right. That's why we brought you on board. I mean, I knew where I was limited at. I was hitting the ceiling. I could not handle, I knew the vision was there, right? Yeah. It's in my mind. I know what I want to do. I know how we can do it. Gosh, I believe that I, if I can achieve these pricing models on a consistent basis, we're going to have growth. We're going to have success. It's going to be awesome. However, I'm not bright enough to build these spreadsheets out and these datas and these formulas. I mean, I'm good enough, but I mean, yeah. I was being really complicated and, you know, really, really granular and changing all these different things. And I was so busy with other things, I could I couldn't do it anymore. So yeah. I needed to find help, right? Yeah. That's where it became. Hey, I need a consultant that can come in and help me build these pricing models and work with me. That also understands business. I need I need a banker that's going to support me. I yeah. need to negotiate with my vendors' credits. That was yeah. the big thing we dealt with early on. Is yeah. I was blown over my credit limits with my vendors, right? And they didn't really <laughs> immediately want to bump up my credit limits, right? So I was fighting one side, the other side. I was going to the bank. I need a line of credit. I need this, and so. I was having to spend all this work on the business aspect of it all, yeah. right? And I think that's a big thing for me, going back to my dad, was realizing, hey, you know, that's the thing that, you know, it's one thing to be able to run a company and be the one that's driving what we're talking about. It's another thing on the back end to be like, oh, gosh, I got to cut checks to vendors. I got to I gotta pay them fast enough. I've got to yeah. have the cash yeah. flow. I mean, I mean, if you're going to grow like we're growing, we have felt that pain and still do. Cash flow yeah. gets tricky, right? We yeah. need the right banker, the right vendor, the right you know yeah. everything so yeah yeah that's for sure it, it is it is interesting how that happens and and that's what most people that in in rapid growing businesses until they're in them they don't realize that your business is wildly successful and you feel like you got two nickels in your pocket because all the cash goes to build your business boom 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 i mean the first couple of years that's how it felt i'm like i i don't have any money in the bank you know i'm paying the business, <laughs> right and so yeah you know, I'm pushing on them, pushing them. They're like, they want PLs. I'm like, don't worry about last year's PL. Focus on today, right? But of yeah. course, they're going to need that stuff. So, you know, you got to be ready to have those hard conversations. You got to be ready to, you know, have, um, you know, the lines of credits and, you know, maybe you've got to restructure some things. I mean, that's the bottom line is the e commerce world is different than the brick and mortar point of sale world. And, and when you get into it, it's, it's a, it's a business model that's different than, um, it's just a different business model. I think that's what I've realized that I've seen when I've talked to other dealers is like, you can't just hire an IT guy to do it or a marketing guy to do it. You can't hire a Damon to do it. I mean, Damon, yeah. you're great. You do a lot of stuff for me. There's no question. I, you know, we wouldn't be here without you guys. But at the same, at the, at the end takes, of the day, it takes everyone working together. It takes the whole business. It's not, it's not like you throw it over the seat to my marketing person or my IT or like you said, or, or, or your account. It can't be. It takes, it takes someone at the top 
that sees that vision and other people to put it together. And, and it's committed to it and engaged in it, right? Because it's a completely yeah. different business model. I've talked to companies trying to get into this and I've talked to Amazon who's like, man, you should see some of these dealers that have tried to get on. And you know, it's just because the, the business owners or the executive teams aren't engaged. They just think they can hire someone to do it or they hire an Amazon consultant, right? Be careful yeah. of those. I'm saying there's not good ones out there, but they're not all, you know, they're, an Amazon consultant is not gonna, you know, increase your top line by 50%. I don't care what they say. You yeah. are the one that's going to increase it by 50% with the right partners and tools in place. Yeah. But if you're not willing to approach it from a completely unique and new business model, then it's not going to work. It's a separate business model, right? Yeah. And at least for us, that's what it was. It was a whole yeah. new business model. We had to yeah. rewrite the book. Yeah. And it's, it seems like it's getting new chapters every day. <laughs> it's been exhausting, but it's exciting. You know, we've been, yes, we've, we've been definitely yes, blessed the last couple of years and we're pretty exciting. You know where we're going so yeah it's good stuff well just just for just for reference i mean you started with 900 SKUs. <laughs> I, I don't know i i honestly don't know how many SKUs you have I, you know on all the platforms is it a hundred thousand so yeah we've got we've got about a hundred thousand SKUs active amongst all platforms yeah and we have we now have a handful of vendors that are piling up that we'll get to when we can automate it. So yeah, yeah. it's been, it's been a, yeah. So it's, you know, it's been a lot. I mean, when we, there's active SKUs and there's SKUs that are selling, right? Yeah, yeah. So, exactly. But I, I think what we've learned, you and I together for sure is, you know, how to increase the SKUs and build the SKUs. But what really shot the SKU count up for us, because I think for us, it like, you know, it's a slow, slow, slow grind. And then we saw an increase and then I flattened out again, slow, slow grind. And then, you know, I found more resources and partners, yeah. you know, you guys to come on board. We've increased credit limits, things like that. And all of a sudden a huge shot. Then we flattened out again because, hey, at some point you maximize the catalog. You maximize yeah. your pricing. You can't go any further. These are the only vendors you work with. You're squeezing everything you can out of them. So we got to the point where, okay, well, I want to grow still. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit idle on this. We want to keep pushing the button. We want to keep driving yeah. forward. So we bring on a new vendor. Right. And so once that new vendor, that's more SKUs. And then you see another spike, you know. So it's the more yeah. SKUs we add, the more we grow. But the more SKUs we add, the more diversified we are with vendors, with product categories, with industries. And that creates for me, honestly, a little breathing room because, you know, there was a time before we were, we almost went out of business one time because we had all our eggs in the federal government basket. Yeah. Right. And the federal biz, the federal market, listen, it, I mean, I've been, I've been a federal reseller for, you know, how long, 20, 17 years. Dad's been doing it since day one. And, and the one thing I know is overnight they can make a shift. It could be a policy thing, it could be a political thing, whatever. Right. And you don't have control over that. So yeah. overnight we lost about 60% of our net revenue, literally overnight, like yeah. just turned off nothing we could do. Right. And so as we've grown with Amazon, I've always, been concerned hey am i re am i positioning myself to be in that spot again right am i am i threatening myself what if amazon makes a change what if you know what if you know the, the government comes in and shifts amazon's policy who knows right so i think it's been really important for us especially this last year or so is to diversify the products and the platform so that if there is an issue yeah. with amazon walmart's still there our website's still there, you know, or the vendor, right? What if yeah. your vendor gets bought? What if your vendor goes out of business? What yeah, if the product yeah. is selling and your industry declines? The office supply industry hasn't really been the fastest growing industry in the last 10 years, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what's the long-term game 
so that you can make sure that foundation is going to be healthy for a long term. Because if you if something drops off, you know, you're not dead in the water. And that's been yeah. e-commerce has created a huge opportunity for us to, to do that quickly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Kelly. It's it's been great, man. And it's it's been, been a pleasure talking with you today. And I'm sure other people we got Ira's been putting some comments here how, while we're going and Andrew dropped another one because everybody knows it, you know, uh cash flow uh never changed the same, yeah. you know. And Ira was talking about cash is king. That's yeah, sure. is king, baby. That's the truth, man. I mean, I <laughs> I, you know, I mean, if they, they, you don't want your orders getting on hold, man. You don't, why yeah. do my problems show up, man? Because you're over your credit yeah. limit. Well, I'm at net 10. Doesn't matter. You're over your credit limit, right? So, yeah, gotta, yeah, exactly. It, it gets, it gets ugly fast, but, but it, it turns around and, and it's, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun talking with you today, Kelly. And I love the enthusiasm and thanks so much for sharing stuff with people today. I know a lot of people see this and, and, uh, you know, maybe at least they'll 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 take a look at how they're doing their e-commerce, and maybe they'll start their e-commerce stuff. Who knows? So, yeah. yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate it. And then, I, real quick, you know, I mean, you've been a great resource. Exit your way. Your team's been a great resource for me. So, you know, we're more than happy, and I think we're proofing the pudding of you know what you when you have the right team working for you the right way, what you can achieve. You know, so so okay, thank so you, to you, man, and anybody listening. Sorry, I know I'm a lot loud talker and fast, but you know. It's awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, it is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much. All right. See you later, everyone.